0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Weekly Walk. I'm your host, Joshua Ingram. It is Monday, September 11th, Year of Our Lord 2023, and this is episode number 98. I was, um, I can't remember exactly what I was listening to, but... And it probably wasn't even the topic that was being discussed, but it was just mentioned in passing. But it was this idea that um, there's a synergy and sanctification that um, God works and we work. Like I've, I've, And I've heard it from other people before, even those of the Reformed faith um, who hold to a... Um, Calvinistic view of soteriology they they hold to a view that that God is monergistic um in salvation and well let me back up let me define those words monergistic is the idea that it's all done of God mono singular that that God alone does it so if you say salvation is monergistic you're saying that it's it's only God that that we are passive in salvation uh, which is the reformed position the Calvinistic position that we don't do anything because we're dead we're dead in trespasses and sins and dead people can't do anything it's not in us not even to to will we we can't even want God it's you know the scriptures teach us that no one does good not one no one seeks after God that it's 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 impossible you know not only will they not but they cannot come to God the scriptures teach us there's an inability to in lost man uh, because we're spiritually dead there's there's no ability at all to do anything not you can't there's no ability to desire God there's no ability to choose God there's no ability to seek God um, there's nothing we're, we're dead and so when we're saved it is all a work of God the fact that you even think about salvation means that God has caused you to think about salvation and and the fact that you fear damnation that is god granting you that he has given you fear he's given you eyes to see and ears to hear he's 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 opened your mind to the reality of of judgment and and eternity and that um so he gives you um the fear he gives you the thoughts he gives you the desire to want salvation and he gives you the faith to believe faith is a gift he, he gives that he causes us to believe so it's all of god you don't do anything um the the choice is god's choice no one comes to the father um unless he unless he draws us and nobody believes unless he causes you to believe and so this idea the the opposite of that is this idea of free will decisionalism that that Um, everybody has the ability to choose God, but that's failing to realize the dead state of man. Dead people can't choose. It's impossible. And every single human being on the planet is born into spiritual death. So when we choose God, it's because God has put that in your heart to choose him. Some people he leaves in their dead state. He passes them over. He doesn't give them uh, the desire. He doesn't give them the fear. He doesn't give them the faith. Um, but some he does. And and so salvation is um, But And then synergistic is the idea of a 50-50 or, or a, not even. It could be a 90-10 or a 70-30, however you'd want to define it. But it means that man does something. That That man is responsible for something that we have to do. That God uh, opens the door, so to speak, he, he opens the door, he, he grants the possibility of salvation, and then you yourself have to choose it, um, that would be Arminianism, uh, free will decisionalism, uh, Pelagianism, which historically has been defined as a heresy, because it fails to realize the, the depravity of man, it, it fails to realize the dead state of man, that you can't choose that there's an inability that that God has to grant all this stuff to you so salvation is monetaristic. now within the camp of those that hold um to to salvation be a monergistic um there's some that then would say although God does it all in salvation once you're saved the sanctification process is synergistic that that God grants you the desire, and he causes you to to want to be holy, but you have to do it. You have to choose good and reject evil, and that that ability is yours. That that in everything we have a choice of whether to do righteousness or not do righteousness. And so, so when I hear people talk like that, like I say, I I usually. Um, As far as I know, the only people I listen to on a regular basis are uh, those of the Reformed Calvinistic position, because I do believe that Pelagianism or Arminianism or Free Will Decisionalism, however you want to label it, I believe that is a heresy, and so I'm not going to sit and listen to heretics um, unless I'm doing it for research purposes. Um, But even some of the people I listen to that are are monogaristic in salvation say that sanctification is synergistic and I would dispute that. And, and it, it, it's kind of upsetting to me because I don't think the whole picture is being grasped in the, it, when you say that, I, I don't think you're understanding, um, the situation here. I, I believe that both salvation and sanctification are monetaristic. And so after listening to that, I was posting in my, my small group, um, uh, Bible verse. We, we're, we're going through uh, the book of Philippians. We're posting verses f- from Philippians, and the verses I posted last week were from uh, Philippians two, twelve, and thirteen, or thirteen and fourteen. I forget what it is, but it says that uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that we're that we that. Uh, oh, I can't remember how it says it now. For it is God that. I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase it because I can't remember it verbatim. It says that God causes you both to will and to work. Um, so so the idea there, and and this is why I reject the idea of sanctification being synergistic, is that everything you will as a believer, yes, you are working out your own salvation. You are in everyday life coming across situations where you have to Decide or choose to do righteously. Um, you know what is right, you know what is wrong, and you actively decide to go one way or another. You actively decide whether or not to sin. You actively decide whether or not to do holiness, to, to be holy. Um, so you do do that, and that's that first part of that work verse, uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Each of us every day is faced with decisions um scenarios uh experiences where we have to decide am i going to do what is right am i going to reject what is wrong and and that's the daily fight of the christian life but behind that that's that's like a secondary step that when when we get a command love the lord with all your heart mind soul and strength or love your neighbor as you love yourself or um uh, be ready always to give an answer. These are commandments that we we have to do, and so every day we're faced with that: Do I love God? Or pray always? Am I praying? You know, or, or study to show yourself uh, approved? Am I studying? Uh, these are these are decisions that are put before us that every day we have to decide whether or not we're going to do it. And, and that's the Christian life. You know, as you're driving down the, the road, am I, am I going to do the speed limit or am I going to speed? You know, we're called on to obey the laws of the land, to obey authorities. And, and a speed limit is a law set in place by authorities. So we are required to do righteously, to obey the speed limit. So every day we're faced with things like that. Um, just, you know, when you when you get angry and frustrated in your heart, and you realize, okay, this is a sinful thing. I need to set this aside. Or when you see pride spring up in your heart and you go, okay, that, that is, God hates pride. I need to flee from this. I need to set this aside. Or, or lust. You know, I need to avert my eyes. I need to, to, to think about something different. Or um, just, just in life, everyday situations, we're faced with stuff like that. But when the commandments that are given to us we are required that's we're responsible and and so um when I bring this up I have one brother who argues against me and one of his main points is responsibility and accountability but but I'm not denying responsibility and accountability God has told us to be holy we are required to be holy we are responsible um and accountable for whether or not we we are holy that's we will be held accountable. We are responsible, but that's like step two. If you take it back a step, keeping in mind the idea that it's God who causes you to will and to do, whether or not I obey the commandments, is um, dependent upon the Spirit's work in my heart. When when He says. Um, I'm trying to think of a, a, a simple command that he gives us, uh, flee lust, flee youthful lusts. When we're presented with that situation, when, when lust occurs to us, the only way I will flee is if God strengthens me and gives me the desire to flee and the ability to flee. If I don't flee, it's, um, See, and this was another issue that the the brother in my head. He said, "Well, then you're you're making God the author of sin. You're saying that it's God's fault for not giving you the strength to overcome. But that's not the case. That it's it's not that God is responsible. We are responsible um, because I will only and always do sin unless God intervenes. When He doesn't intervene, it's He's not accountable and responsible. That's me doing what." What I want to do—that's my flesh doing what the flesh wants to do—just uh, for His holy, wise, purposeful plan, He has chosen to allow it to. Re- he's chosen not to 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 grant the desire. Like the the sanctification process, my willing, my desires, my my thoughts, my 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 motivation to not do it comes from Him. That, that's what that Philippians verse talks about. It's Him. He gets the glory for it. And my doing, that's me taking action, uh, taking steps in righteousness, that also comes from Him. It's all Him. It's it's not me. Um, there's There's no synergy in it. There's an appearance of synergy because from an outward perspective, it's me that is actually doing something or not doing something but the reality is that the step behind that, the, the, the hidden power behind that is God. And, and recognizing that is important because it gives him the glory in all things. It's, it's, and, and my brother that was uh, disputing this with me, he understands that God gets all the glory. His issue is, um, his whole thing was like if we talk like this there's a tendency then a to become lax to say well i'm not going to do anything that god doesn't want me to do and b he's saying we're making god responsible We're, we're putting the blame on god for our sin and i was having a really hard time trying to explain to him that that that's not the case that there's a um well, first of all, with the A, the the becoming lax and, and we won't do anything, that's an impossibility for the born again. Um, those that are born again, we all have the Spirit in us, and the Spirit lusteth against the flesh. The Spirit in us is continually causing us to desire holiness, continually causing us to despise and reject evil. And, and the Spirit's never going to stop. That That's evidence of salvation in us. So I, I can know that and at the same time know that all victory, all success over sin, every right decision, every right thought, every right action is coming from him and every inaction every failure is him letting it happen for holy and wise purposes that that the sanctification process we're his workmanship well what what work you know he's causing us to work out our salvation it's it's his work we're his workmanship so if i think about doing good that's because God caused me to think about doing good. And if I actually do good, it's because God stirred up enough desire and motivation in me to cause me to move into goodness. He caused me to do it. He, 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 he presents the opportunities and he grants the desire to overcome my fleshly impulses to not do good. Like m- my natural state is to do evil. That's that's the natural state of humanity. So when presented with an opportunity to do righteousness, my, there, it's like a magnetic pole. There's a magnetic pole within me that wants to do evil, that wants to not do righteousness, that wants to do selfishness, that wants to do evil. And that magnetic pole will always, that humanistic... Adamite nature in me will always and only pull to the left so to speak. Will only and always pull towards evil. And when God when it's overcome, when I don't do evil, when I when I don't sin, when I do the right thing, it's only because God has caused a magnetic pull in me so to speak to the right, to the righteousness. He has caused enough pull, enough magnetic desire towards the spiritual, he, he's he's stirred up enough motivation in me to reject the pole to the left and to go to the right, to do righteousness. And so when I don't do righteousness, it's because God has chosen to allow that magnetic pole to the left to, to remain active. He's chosen um, not to give enough strength to go to the right. It's again. There's there's a passiveness in us that that as humans we are we are passively pulled towards that left all the time, and the only way I'll ever go right is if God does it. <clears throat> and so that doesn't make God responsible and and, and accountable, or or um, it doesn't make him the author of the evil. It doesn't. It's if. It's just him, for holy and wise purposes, choosing to let me go the direction I desire to go, and and I am responsible. I am accountable. That that's me. That's my flesh, desiring to go that way. And so so when we struggle against sin, if there's remaining sin in my life, there's a hope in it because I I can look at it and I go I can go. God is sovereign over this. There's a reason that he has not given um, a, a sufficient enough pole magnetic pull to the right. There's a reason that he has let this happen, and it's because th- there's a reaping soul principle. There's chastisement. There's for whatever for a numerous amount of hidden reasons that only he knows. He sometimes allows us to to remain in that sinful state to remain um in a struggle against it he he hasn't yet caused us to to move towards the right and again that that doesn't say that doesn't mean that he he did it that he's accountable no it's me doing what i'm naturally going to do he just chose not to intervene for a holy and wise purpose he has a reason for not doing so that might be my destruction. It might be um, just you know. There's some consequences that have to happen to me that are going to cause my life to go in a certain direction. That that he knows about my steps are ordered of him. You know, it's it's how can a man know his way? We we don't know what tomorrow holds, but God does, and he realizes that that like it, it, there's our life is like a big puzzle piece, and he realizes that. Um, in order for me to get to that next piece of the puzzle, he may have to temporarily allow me to do what my sinful flesh desires to do so that it brings about a consequence that takes me in the direction of that next puzzle piece in my life. Like things, ha- our lives are ordered of him, everything happens um, according to the counsel of his will. So the entire sanctification process. Is It's it's all God. Every every good thing I do, the only reason I did it was because a God caused me to think about it, which is a sign of being born again. We become focused on righteousness and and sin and evil, and we're we're focused on these sinful things in our hearts. So He causes me to see it. He causes me to fight against it. He He gives. The, the different measures of desire and motivation and fight. And, and sometimes he doesn't give enough to conquer it because he has a reason to allow it to remain. And, and other times he does give the strength to overcome it and to do righteousness. But that's all his business. He has a, he has a, he has a hidden plan for my life. He has a hidden reason to allow things and, and to not allow things. Um, but it's all Him. He, he gets all the glory. He, he gets the glory for my thoughts. He gets the glory for my desires. He gets the glory for my actions. He gets the glory for it all. And and the times where I fail, um, He gets glory in the wisdom of His plan, the wisdom and, and um, holiness of it, of His counsel. There's a reason for Him not doing so. And I have to trust in that. I have to put my faith in that and say, okay, the reason this sin remains is because God has allowed it to remain for a holy and wise purpose. That doesn't make me lax and say, okay, well, then I don't have to fight against it because it's part of God's plan. You know, that was what Paul was saying. Shall we sin that grace abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin? The The fact that we have the Spirit in us that lusts for righteousness that lusts against the flesh um, will not allow us to just give in and say, oh, well, I guess then, you know, because this lust is a part of this, this pride in my heart or whatever it is, because it's a part of God's plan, I don't have to fight against it and I can just become lax. That's an impossibility for the born again because the spirit in us is going to cause us to continually hate it and and continually to be aware of it and continually to fight against it, um, but victory or non-victory is part of God's plan, and so it's it, There's a sovereign, overarching plan in all things, including my sin and my failure. Um, I kind of stumbled through this. I, I hope this makes sense. But uh, we we talked about it that Bible study for like a good two hours. Um, but yeah, so I, I just wanted to share those thoughts. So I was, uh, on the last part of the podcast, um, cause I, I don't, record this all in one session i usually just um record one segment at a time throughout the week so on that last one i was talking about how um sanctification is a monetaristic action it's it's a we don't really have a part in it it's we're passive in a sense um because you know we do do we 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 work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We take action. You know, we make decisions to do righteousness. We we fight to be holy. We um it's 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 not like we just lay around we're actually we're we're doing things, but it's God that works in us both to will and to do. It's Him that causes us to to both think about doing good, to desire doing good, to have the motivation to do good and to actually do good. That that's all him. So the sanctification work is all him. It's 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 his power. You know, we're we're actually we're moving. It's like the the um the car wheels or I use the train analogy, but it's like the the wheels on a car turn but it's it's the combustion, of the, the fuel that's causing the movement. That's the power, is the, the gas, the combustion. That's the power. The wheels move, but the, it's being powered by other things. So we move, we, we do things, we do righteousness, but it's God in us doing it. So the sanctification is him. It's his power. And, and, and people say, well, if you think about that, then we're just going to become passive. Well, then you're not really saved because the evidence of the salvation is that you're doing righteousness, that you're, you're moving in these things. That's the evidence. The evidence that the car is working is the movement of the tires, but it's caused, you know, it's causality. What's the first cause? So we we make actions. We do righteousness. We love our neighbors. We forgive each other. We we pray. We study. We we do evangelism. Uh, we we shun evil. Those are things we do. But the power, the source, the causality is God. He's the one causing us to even think about doing those things. He's the one causing us to uh, have the gumption to have the 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 internal desire and movement to actually do these things so so it's his work we we do but it's his doing and um so that that led me to want to um look over this other thing here is um this other idea um about the entire process the the entire salvific process is monetaristic it's it's all a it's all God's work. We're his workmanship. The entire thing from f- start to finish, he's the author and finisher of our faith. It's all him. We we do nothing. We we get no credit. We get no we don't deserve any credit. We're we're again, we're passive. We're doing, but we're passive in it. It's it's we're doing what he causes us to do in in good Um, The evil we do is him letting us be what we are. Like um, It's hard to think of a good analogy, but to stick with that car, the car by itself is going to sit. And if sit was an evil action, you can't blame the gas or the combustion for it sitting. It's doing what it does. Our natural disposition is, is to do evil, because we've fallen in Adam. We're separate from the source of goodness, God. So our natural disposition, it's like dark. You know, It's that old saying, um, what is darkness? Uh, well, darkness isn't a thing in itself. It's the absence of light. Light is the thing. The absence of light is dark. The natural cause of the removal of light is darkness. When we fell in Adam... We were removed from the source of goodness. We were removed from the source of love and joy and peace and holiness. What is left is evil, darkness. That, that's not the fault of the goodness. It's the removal of the goodness. And it, what's left is evil. We left to ourselves are evil. We'll do evil. We'll sit like the car and in order for us to have any movement in order for us to do any good the source has to come back and when we're born again that connection the the like the cable is connected or the gas is put in and then and then it's it's you know the whole thing is is God's work he connects the cable he sends the influence to do good and at times even though we're saved he still chooses to allow us for holy and wise purposes because he has a good and holy and wise plan, he still allows us um, to do what we na- He he removes himself. He doesn't um, influence enough to cause us uh, to do righteousness. Like I was thinking about my personal testimony, there was a time after I got saved um, where I was still living in both worlds, kind of. I mean, in a sense, we all do. But I was I was really just not living a holy life I didn't, I didn't I wasn't in the word I didn't I wasn't pursuing holiness um, I just had Christ in me and I knew I, I wasn't going to hell anymore but um I, I went out doing some uh, drugs and drinking and whatnot and after bar closed there was a, a fight between a buddy of mine and another guy and I ended up getting involved And me and my buddy hurt this guy pretty badly, Um, you know, and and later on, uh, the spirit convicted me and I went to the police and I confessed my part in it. And so I went to jail. And so that was an evil action. You know, the Lord allowed me to do what I naturally, my natural flesh is going to do that evil. That is what, what the fallen Adamite nature does. And um, God allowed me to do that for holy and wise purposes. He, he restrained his influencing power um, to cause me to do good and allowed me to do what my nature wants to do for, for a wise purpose. Because what ended up happening was I ended up going to jail for six months Where I fell in love with the Word of God, like I had, if I wouldn't have gone to jail, I wouldn't have had that six month period where I just buried myself in the Word of God, and really that was the 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 start of my growth in the Lord. It's like it's where a lot of maturity and a lot of uh, steps towards holiness occurred, and also the guy that got beat up, he had a fractured eye orbit, orbital bone or whatever, um, so he had to go get X-rays. And because of that, they found a tumor on his brain, and they were able to remove it um, before, you know, it got more serious. So not only was it worked out for my good, but it was also worked out for this guy's good as well. So so that evil action, God had a holy and wise purpose in allowing it to occur. And so, in our own in our day to day lives, God will sometimes allow us. You know, he'll he'll remove that influencing power to cause us to do good and will allow us to do what we naturally want to do um, because he has a holy and wise purpose in it, because it's going to lead um, ultimately to our good and his glory, what Romans 8.28 says. So anyways, um, the entire sanctification process, and, and not only the sanctification process, but all of salvation, the, the entire process is monodiristic. Everything in a Christian's life from 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 your repentance, well th- even before that to your awareness of God, to your awareness of judgment and condemnation to um to 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 your fear of judgment, to your hearing of the word, your ability to comprehend the gospel, to um your repentance to your faith to your to your decision to believe to um the entire sanctification process every part of it is monergistic. every part of it is god and 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 to understand that is to completely glorify god to to misunderstand any part of that to have any eye any me in this process is to steal from the glory of God. It's to take some of the credit. Even even if you're not saying, oh, I'm taking some of the credit, the idea, the belief, the the conception that you had anything to do with anything is, whether you admit it or not, is stealing from the glory of God. So to to comprehend this monogaristic view of the entire process is to give ultimate glory to God. And it's so important for a Christian to do. It's so joyous for a Christian to do. Because you're doing what you're purposed to do. You're celebrating the, the magnificence, the glory, the graciousness, the mercifulness, the all-encompassingness of God. And um, so if we go through, uh, just to give like a really brief synopsis of this, and to look at how the entire work is is a monoteristic work, um, it's really miraculous. You know, the entire salvation, its that's another way to say it is it's a miracle. It's supernatural. It's beyond us. It's its not of human doing. It's of God's doing. You know, how, how does a person go from not caring about God, not, not even thinking about God, um, living a, a self-focused, selfish life, totally and completely unconcerned with eternity and judgment. How does a person go from that to being a lover of Christ, a celebrator of Christ? Um, and like I say, the, the whole work is God. So when, when I, like, for example, if we just take my own condition and I look at myself, um, I was a, a selfish individual. Like at one point in time, um, as a juvenile, I got locked up in a juvenile facility and um, where they ran like psychological tests on me, and they, they told my mom that I was a borderline sociopath. I had no empathy, I had no care for anybody else. Like, I, w- I was completely selfish. Um, I didn't care about God, I never even thought about God. Like, I, I'm sure, you know. I always considered myself an intelligent thinking person. So I know I didn't buy into evolution, even as an unbeliever, like common sense told me, okay, something made all this, you know, there's, there's so much intricate detail and beauty and creativity and creation. And there, there's such precision in life. There's obviously an intelligent force behind this. Um, but that was about the extent of it. I, I, I think, you know, if I remember correctly, my thought process on the very rare occasions where I thought about that was, okay, obviously something created us, but when I look around at the state of the world, and I, I see the chaos and the confusion and the violence and and the hopelessness and the disaster and the tragedy, obviously whoever this creator is, he doesn't care about us. We're, we're on our own. You know, we're, we're left to our own. That, that was my thought process. Um, you know, so as a result of that, I just, I lived selfishly. I lived for me. I figured, you know, screw the rules, you know, the self-imposed rules. I'm going to take what I want. I'm going to do whatever I can to make myself happy. I'm going to bring as much pleasure to myself as possible. And, um, and then just... Out of nowhere, with with uh, without seeking, without any religious background, without any forethought or anything like that, God stepped into my life like a clap of thunder. He just boom decide. He, in His infinite wisdom, He moved upon me and revealed truth to me. He he he, in an instant, turned my eyes up like opened my eyes. And showed me the reality of justice and judgment, and the reality of Him, and um, the consequences of sin. You know, I, I in an instant, He showed me that you know I was going to be held accountable for what I did, and I I knew I was doomed. You know, I I that fear came upon me. I knew that I was going to hell. I was I I was going to die, and I was going to be held accountable, and justice was going to be served, and I was going to go to hell. So, at that point, the things that I had been living for, the pleasure that I had been living for became meaningless. it It meant nothing the the only the only th- hope I had was some sort of salvation and and I didn't know where to turn because I wasn't uh, a Christian. I wasn't raised in, in a in, a, in a, um, a religious household, so I had no concept of how to get saved. I just knew that I was doomed and heading for hell, and i I needed help. I needed salvation. So the fact that I went from 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 just complete ignorance of God to this awareness how did that occur how did that happen you know how all of a sudden was this awareness brought to me without me seeking it and and it's this is not an uncommon thing I'm just speaking from my own experience but this is not an uncommon thing this is the the pattern of everybody that is born again um, the reason we don't think about God, or the reason we reject God, is because we're born dead. We're because of Adam, we are born spiritually stillborn. Um, Ephesians two one talks about how we're uh, dead in our trespasses and sins, and and we're totally self seeking. Our only thoughts are on how can I make myself happy? How can I bring pleasure to myself? And and that there's. A multitude of various paths of pleasure. So, um, some people might think their past better. You know, they might think they're more benevolent because they get pleasure out of, um, doing good deeds or or being religious and going to, you know, church or whatever. You know, they they look at the people who choose to go the path of alcohol and drugs and sex and and thievery and and whatever. And they think they're better than that because they've chosen a, a a more socially acceptable form of pleasure. But regardless of what path people take, we're all just seeking our own pleasure. And the Bible says that we're vain in our imaginations and thoughts. Our, there's an emptiness, a, a pointlessness. In Genesis 6-5, it talks about that. that um, we're all just self-seeking pleasure-seekers. And we're full of lust, which is not just, you know, when I feel like today, when you use the word lust, people just assume sexual, but lust is just, you know, unhealthy desire. You're desiring something you shouldn't. And we're all born that way. We are all born lustful and selfish in our hearts. In Jeremiah, it says that the heart is deceitfully wicked or desperately wicked. I forget how it says it, but, um, Above all things, the heart is more wicked than anything. Our own hearts deceive us and lie against us. And again, we're, we're all born in this situation. We're all born separated from God, um, just completely selfish. Even the good, in parentheses, the good things we do, they're tainted uh, by impure motives. They're not done for the glory of God. Isaiah says that uh, they're like filthy rags. And the Bible says that, you know, we're not only unwilling to come to God, but we're unable. So not only are we selfish and 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 self-seeking, we're also detached from God because of Adam. We, we have an inability to come to him because God is spirit and, and he must be worshipped in spirit. And we are spiritually dead. So there's an inability in us. So that, that's the state we're all in. You know that that is the state that I was in but then it is God that starts to draw man unto himself John 6 talks about how God draws the father draws people unto himself and and it's God who convicts us of our sins it, if it is God who opens your eyes to the reality so that you no longer justify yourself you no longer say You know, I'm not that bad of a person because the scriptures say almost everybody proclaims their own goodness. Everybody thinks they're good, but it's God who opens your eyes and causes you to realize I'm not good. You know, regardless of who I compare myself to, you know, because people look around and they go, well, I'm not a bank robber, I'm not a murderer, I'm not a rapist, I'm not a child molester. But. They, they lie on a continual basis, they, they drink, they get high, they, they act in pride. It just If you go and listen um, to anybody speak, you'll very soon realize how sinful lost people are. Even those that proclaim their own goodness, listen to how people talk to each other. And it always shocks me as a Christian to hear people who say they love each other, Speak ill of each other, like husbands and wives, or or parents and children. The way they'll they they badmouth each other, they call each other, they say the most hateful, um, sickening things to each other. If, if you just listen to people speak, you'll see the sins of their heart. Uh, but but God brings a conviction. It is God that does that. God draws us. God convicts us. It is God that opens our eyes um, to our desperate and hopeless state. You know, it's God that shows us we're doomed, and and then God sends a preacher. Um, Romans ten. You know, how can they hear unless someone preaches, and how can they preach unless they're sent? And that does that doesn't mean that you know right before salvation you're going to hear a street preacher or a sermon on the radio or you're going to go to church. Some people. were raised in the church or, you know, in America, we've all heard the gospel at some point in time. So you don't necessarily have, it doesn't mean that a preacher comes to you directly then, but the spirit may cause you to remember something you've heard in the past or a a Bible verse, but initially that comes through a preacher that God plants his seeds in our hearts through the preaching of the word. So originally God sent a preacher and and that preacher through the power of the Holy Spirit, preaches this God-saving gospel. Um, and, then, and then it is God that opens our ears. You know, Because you think about this, there's a multitude of people that hear the word of God, and it goes in one ear and out the other. So why, at some point in time, does it click in our heads? Why does all of a sudden that make sense to us? Why all of us why? It's because God has opened your ears. God has granted you understanding. Uh, Proverbs 2 talks about that. Uh, Proverbs 2, 6. And and it's God that gives you repentance. It's God that causes you to turn from your sins, to stop justifying yourself, to agree with God that you are sinful. Um, 2 Timothy two twenty five says that God grants repentance, and it's God that gives the gift of faith. Ephesians two eight talks about how faith is a gift. Um, and then through that 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 word that we either remember that was preached to us, or we're hearing directly at that time preached to us. Not when God grants you those ears to hear, you hear the Shepherd's voice. You hear met you hear, it's not just a preacher that you're hearing. You're hearing God himself, Jesus Christ, the shepherd through that voice. My sheep hear my voice, it says in John 10. And, and then that faith that God gives to you, he moves through that faith and, and causes you to be reborn, to be baptized in the spirit, to have your dead spirit submerged in his living spirit and granted eternal life. Uh, look at like Matthew 3 and Galatians 3 talking about that. Um, and then through that, he he causes us to be born again. He causes us to be made new, a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. And he causes us to be regenerated, to be made new. Uh, John 3 talks about that. Um, 2 Corinthians 4 talks about that. And then it's, it's God that seals us. He, he, he submerges us in a, his spirit and he makes it permanent. He comes into us and permanently seals us unto the day of redemption, Ephesians 4.20. And then God begins that process of sanctification, that cleansing process, where um, over the span of our lifetime He cleanses us piece by piece, making us more and more holy, bringing us from glory to glory, um, teaching and and creating Christ-like attributes in us. You know, we're His workmanship, it says in Ephesians two, and and He continues this work, unfailing, without ceasing. Um, in until the day that man dies. You know, Philippians 1.6 says that uh, we can be confident that he who has begun a good work in us will complete it um, until the day of Jesus Christ. And then in the end, God is going to resurrect us and give us an eternal life uh, in a glorified body, 1 Corinthians 15. So my point is, is that this entire process, the, the entire thing from beginning to end, is one of passivity on man's part. We we are a a piece of clay, a piece of pottery that is being worked on by God. It is God who works in us. We are His workmanship. Again, that's Ephesians two ten. We simply receive. It's all a gift of God. Um, he grants these things to us. He gives us every part of this. It's done completely by the 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 will of God for His good pleasure. Um, the whole thing is, is his work. Um, it's all done at the discretion of God, uh, for the good pleasure of God, resulting in the glory of God. And we get the joy of it. We get, we get the, the, um, the benefits of it. You know, this, this work that he does to us, we, we get this, you have a sense of purpose and hope and joy. It's, it's, uh, all praise to him so my point is is just again to to reemphasize the the entire salvific process from beginning to end is monergistic every aspect of it is him and, and 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 people who fear that they say well If I lean too far onto that side, then I'm going to become passive and I'm not going to do anything. That's an impossibility because you have the spirit in you causing you to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it's him that works in you. That's the evidence of the work in you. Him working in you, the wheels on the car turn because the combustion is happening. If the wheels aren't turning... Um, then something's wrong with the car. You know, if you're not working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, then what evidence do you have that the spirit is working in you? It's not you're not gonna become passive because that's an impossibility. When the combustion engine starts burning and and, and doing the rest of the, the, the rest of the car is going to do what it does. It's cause and effect. If, if the cause of God is at work in you, the effect is you will do righteousness. You will continually uh, fight against your sin because you have the spirit in you that lusts against the flesh, that hates the things of the flesh, that desires um, against the flesh, that desires righteousness. And, and that desire of righteousness in you is the evidence that the cause is at work in you. So it's an impossibility to say, well, if I lean too hard on sovereignty, I'm going to become passive. That's an impossibility. Um, having having a knowledge of the um sovereignty of God, the monogaristic power of God, does not create passivity. Um it, it because what it what it does what its purpose for in the believer is glorify God it gives all glory to Him and it creates so much joy in you and and you don't have to worry about it creating passivity because again it's an impossibility the Spirit in you is going to cause you to do He's going to cause you to fight against sin um it's it's just again if if you're missing this part of it. If, if you're, because you're too worried about responsibility and accountability, um, then you're missing out on this joy. You're missing out on this glory. Yes, we're responsible and accountable. Yes, um, we do the sin. It is us. Um, and and we have to do righteousness. Yes. But if you're really born again and you have the spirit of Christ in you, you will do righteousness. Because it's the the cause of God, it's 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 the the power of God at work in you, and that is the evidence of it. So, all right, I, I guess I'm just starting to repeat myself, but I just understanding the monetaristic salvific process of God, in the in, the entire process is His. Um, it's 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 how we. Give the most glory to God and we receive the most joy. Alright, so that's what I got for you guys this week. Um, As always, I truly appreciate you listening. I love you and Lord willing, we'll talk to you next time.